Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Hello, I am so excited to have such a fabulous guest across the pond in merry old England. We are talking to a dynamo, Matali De Perquesa. And um, she is the author of this incredible book, which I have been reading, The Freedom Master Plan. It's in its at least second publication, a bestseller, Your Mission, Movement, and Message on the Map. Put it on the map. So, Matali, tell us about that book as well as you are the vegan publisher. So many vegans have that book in them that they want to write, but they're like, who's going to publish it? What's the point of writing it if I can't get published? Take it away. Thank you so much for having me, Jane. So, yes, this is the second edition of the book. The first edition came out in March of last year. Despite being vegan since 2012, for some reason, the two halves of my brain just didn't marry up together. Now it sounds crazy, like when I've been vegan for this long and, you know, all of it matters to me. Human health matters. Animal rights matter. Sustainability. All of these things have mattered to me for a long time. And yet my business was something that operated separately. I just kind of, I guess it's compartmentalization. I think some of us go through that where we just compartmentalize our lives. So that was something I did in my private life and my business was my, you know, my business. So the first edition was really to a general audience, coaches, consultants, mentors, therapists, service providers. And then when that book came out, it became a bestseller in March of last year. And that just opened up the doors to so many things. I always say a book opens the doors that you want open, but it also opens doors that you don't even know exist until they open. And one of the doors that I didn't know existed was this whole world of awesome vegan and plant-based entrepreneurs who started to say, well, why don't you say that you're vegan? Are you ashamed? Of course I'm not ashamed, but I just never thought of bringing it into the fore. So after a year of spending time with a ton of vegan and plant-based and ethical entrepreneurs, I was just so inspired and I thought, these are the people that I really want to work with. And these are the people that I want to inspire more so than anybody else to write a book because we've all been there. You know, I met someone just a few days ago who told me he became vegan four years ago because he wrote because he read a book. That's what books do. So the more, as my good friend Katrina Fox always says, you know, the more vegans that are writing books, it's just a smart move. We're going to get to that vegan normal world a lot faster than than we are at the moment. So for somebody watching, uh, we've got a caller on hold, by the way, Vivian in Los Angeles. Vivian, what is your question or thought for Matali? Good morning, ladies. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Wonderful. Thank you so much. My dear friend, Sarah Siegel, suggested I call in. I'm a little nervous. Um, I missed the very beginning. I'm so sorry. Nice to meet you both online. I'm very excited. I am, I am in the process of publishing a book right now as well and uh, looking so forward to getting it out there into the world. So I'm, I'm going to listen to what you have 
to say. Well, what's your question, though? Uh, do you have any questions about writing a book? Well, um, I guess my question would be, once, once it's written, the question is how to best market it. <laughs> how to get it out there into the world. That, that, would be, that would be what I'm looking to find out these days. Well, thank okay. you, Vivian. And, and Mitali, I think this is a general confusion or there's many variations of how one gets a book out into the world. I've written four books and I've always had a publisher, like a mainstream publisher, Simon & Schuster, uh, HCI, um, Harper. Um, these are major publishers. Uh, however, uh, not everybody can get a major publisher also, some people just want to write their book. In my case, every single time I was told what to write. In other words, we want you to write a book about X, Y, Z. Here are our guidelines. Go for it. And then they chop and they edit. Um, some people don't like that. They just want to write whatever they want to write and they don't want anybody to mess with it. So break that down for us because there's so much confusion. I think a lot of people are writing books that nobody's going to see because they're sort of uh, I certainly don't want to use a speciesist phrase like putting the cart before the horse. So let's come up with an alternative. How about, um, well, what alternative as an author would you come up for with that? Oh, God, I, I could, uh, let's let's say, you know, uh, running before you can crawl or something like Great. that. I love it. <laughs> um, I would say the first thing, the first question I ask any of my clients, and this is before they write or even think about a single word of their book. The first thing question I ask them is, what do you want the book to do for you? And we really drill down on that because when you really know what you want your book to do for you, you can work your way backwards from that. And through that, everything is explained. For example, whether you go down the traditional publishing route or whether you self-publish, um, exactly what goes into the book and what order, everything gets answered. All of the typical questions that I get is usually because that person hasn't sat there and thought, what do you want the book to do for you? So I'll use myself as an example because um, I know that when I, when I talk quite high level, I can lose people and I get that. So I'd rather give real life examples. So for me, for example, I didn't even consider going to a traditional publisher. Traditional publisher. Um, it, it wasn't, I didn't even seek them. The reason being is my book, the goal is to get my mission out into the world. Because I, I really believe my mission is to get as many vegan and plant-based and ethical experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, brand owners to write books. Because if we're all writing books en masse, it means the visibility that we're getting in what we're doing goes to the roof. I was actually listening to one of your earlier shows, um, Jane, and you had, a, I forget the name of the gentleman, but it's a, the gentleman from uh, Phonolytics. Yes. And, you know, and you you mentioned that that um, the lady called Jennifer, who I know quite well, said that we have a branding problem. Well, yes. guess how one of the major ways you can change the branding issue that we have as vegans is by writing books that everyone is reading. So that's my and because my mission is to get my mission out there so people know that there is a way to write books that's a simple i've got it down to a step-by-step -step recipe so if you think of yourself as a non-writer 
you are my speciality, basically. If you're a non-writer, you're definitely going to be able to write a book with me because that's my speciality. I want to help as many people as possible who really, really want to fight the causes that are dear to my heart, which is sustainability, animal rights, human health, human rights. I want to help any of these people to write as many books as possible. Because of that, I don't want to make money from my book. I'm not, I don't want to price my book to make a profit. Mm-hmm. So my paperback, I, fi- I don't even think I'm making any money on it. It's, it's literally what Amazon charged me to print and send out. My Kindle book, when it launched, the latest version, the second edition came out just Friday of last week. I gave it away for free and over a thousand downloads went through for free. I didn't make any money at all. Now, imagine if I'd gone to a traditional publisher. That would just been a big fat no from them because they would have said, well, well how are we going to make our money? We've spent all this amount of money on editing your book, on a great cover designer, on typesetting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How are we going to recoup our costs? if you're just going to give your book away for free. So for that reason, it made no sense for me to even think about going to a traditional publisher. I had had to be self-published. There's no other way around it. I wanted 100% control. Whereas you, I'm sorry, I I forgot your name. What was your name? uh, That was Vivian. Vivian. So Vivian, I don't know what your goals are for your book. If your book is really about, I don't know whether, first of all, I don't know whether you're an entrepreneur. Do you have a business? Do you have a brand or a charity, a nonprofit? And is the book promoting that? Or is the book a standalone book in its own right and then needs to be seen as a business in its own right? When you answer that question, it starts to become very clear how you promote it. If it's something, if it's a book that's promoting something that you already do, I think usually self-publish is the best way to go. And like I said, you're not looking at profits for the book. You're just wanting to cover your costs. If the book stands in its own right, you need to be looking at things like how you're going to advertise, book fairs that you're going to do. You need to think of your book as a product to market. Let me say this. There's books that have massive impact, and then there's books that kind of come and go. I think of one of the books that changed more people vegan than any that I've ever experienced is the book called Skinny Bitch. Now, that was written by two women who were very hip and cool, and it was filled with all sorts of snarky comments. But boy, did it touch a nerve. It's very thin, but there was something about the style, the humor, the sarcasm, the um, sort of grabbing the zeitgeist of the time, right? Uh, that it just made veganism seem so damn cool. So oh, we all probably have books in us, but what kind of book is going to move the needle. Um, Certainly a finger wagging book. You should go vegan because, and it's true. You should go vegan to, to save your own health, to increase your longevity, to decrease the chance of getting dementia and heart disease and cancer, and to save the planet, climate change, water pollution, drought, human world hunger. We've got children starving all over the world while we're using the most inefficient food source. It takes eight to 25 pounds of grain to make a pound of beef, whereas these kids are starving because they don't have that 
uh, eight pounds or 25 pounds of grain. Uh, so we're, we're, we're propping up this inefficient food system at a time of diminishing resources. Um, so many reasons. But the, the bottom line is, as you're, you're right, uh, the head of the Vegan Women's Summit uh, said we have a branding problem. Just reading the facts to people does not work nine times out of 10. You have to kind of put yourself in their shoes and figure out what do they want and use the same techniques that the advertisers use to promote products that are destroying our planet. So when, it, you know, I, I would love to see people fulfill their dream, but Sometimes it's like, sure, would I like to be a concert pianist? I do take piano lessons, but I know that's not in the cards for me. You know, if I can get through one piece with only making 25 mistakes, I'm happy. So the point is there you have to be realistic, too, about writing. So break that down a little bit. What, what I would say, Jane, is I think sometimes people get quite intimidated about the idea of a book maybe it's because as vegans we've read a lot of books from very intelligent people you know and you you kind of think oh my gosh I don't have anything new to say what I do with my students or my clients I should say is I explain to them that they're doing something in their business or brand already all you're doing is amplifying that with your book so it's not about trying to find this whole new angle it's about doing what you're already doing. So let me give you an example. There's a, a lovely lady, Bobby Giudicelli, who wrote a book with me last year. And she wanted to write a book about how becoming plant-based allowed her to free herself from a 40-plus year battle with anorexia and bulimia. Now, this is an angle I had no idea about. I mean, let's face it, the there's a huge weight of evidence now amassed over the last few decades that being plant-based is good for your physical health. But I haven't heard anyone talk about being whole food, plant-based, being good for mental health. It's just not something I'd heard of. And yet I know so many women and increasingly men suffer from eating disorders. So when Bobby came to me and said she wanted to write this book, but it was also linked with her business. She started a new business with her eldest son, and it was manufacturing this whole food, plant-based breakfast items. So it's great for people who are on the go, but usually you make really bad food choices, let's be honest, when you're trying to have breakfast on the go. And she creates completely clean breakfast items that you can just throw in your, your purse and you can get on the metro or the train and get to work or whatever you need to do, but you're still looking after yourself and your body. What she wrote about, she wasn't writing about a whole other angle. She didn't have that weight on her is, oh my God, what's going to move the needle when it comes to the vegan movement? All she was thinking of is, I just want to talk about myself and what I've been through. And if that helps just one woman or one man out there to finally beat anorexia or bulimia and cause them to become vegan, she's done a job. When you strip it down, you realize there's no reason for you to feel imposter syndrome because as a vegan, chances are, even if you don't have a business, chances are, you're spending a lot of your time educating the people around you as to why you're vegan and why they need to become more plant-based anyway. You're doing that. A book is just doing that on a grander scale. That's what so, I see. It. I think what you're saying is find your 
what they call in advertising unique selling proposition. Mm -hmm. What is Mm -hmm. it that makes your story unique? Right. So, um, for example, in uh, my case, I did write a memoir. I want my journey from addiction and overconsumption to a simpler, honest life. And that was talking about what I'd consider my three miracles. First, I got sober. I'm 27 years sober, knock on wood, one day at a time. And uh, then I uh, came out as gay. And then I went vegan. I don't remember the exact order, but it all happened around the same time. I don't think I would have gotten honest with myself uh, if I was drinking. It was only after I sobered up that I got honest with myself. And it was only after I sobered up that I started to really try to align my values with my behavior and started to realize, wait, I'm such an animal lover. Why am I uh, continuing to eat dairy? I was vegetarian, but I was eating dairy, which is at the phrase that got me to go vegan was the phrase liquid meat. When I perceived of dairy products as liquid meat, I, uh, boom, that's what made me go vegan. So uh, I talked in my memoir about my experience. Nobody else's experience is exactly the same. So is that what you're saying? Because not everybody can write a memoir though. It's not a memoir, but it's, I would say my clients are writing books that are usually helpful. So it's self-help, how to, Bobby's was all about how to fight those inner demons that tell you not to eat or eat and then purge. That's what her book's about. Another vegan um, author of mine, Amanda, her book was completely different. She's a financial planner here in the UK. And it was all about helping women get pay parity here in the UK. Because we still don't have that, by the way. It's still perfectly okay to pay a woman less than a man for doing exactly the same job, which is very, very unfair. So it's completely different things that they're writing about, but they're writing about what they know. And intermingled with that, it's their story. But it's not a memoir. It's not a memoir. Because you have to understand, Jane, you being in your position, you are able to write a memoir because you have an audience that follows you, that knows you and wants to read about your life story. The average vegan entrepreneur hasn't reached that point yet. So your first book shouldn't be a memoir because you have to ask yourself, how many people are that bothered about your life story? I mean, it's all about just keeping your feet on the ground a little bit. If I wrote a memoir, that was my first book, I'd, I would say there's a, a slight narcissistic tendency there because why would, why would the world really care about Mitali's life when I'm not a celebrity? This is not my third or fourth book where I've built a huge audience. So you don't want to write a memoir. You want to write a book that helps people in some way, whatever it is that you're doing. All right. Well, speaking of that, we have an incredible caller from Florida, Vegan Evan. And I think uh, his mom may be on as well. This is a young activist who goes all around the world, incredibly articulate youngster. Uh, Take it away from Florida. Hi, Jane. Hi, Mitali. How are you guys? Hi, how are uh, you? So, my name is Vegan Evan. I'm 11. Jane knows us. And me and my mom and my grandma are all vegan. So we were thinking about writing and possibly publishing some cool books. Like we were thinking about making a three generations of vegan book. And even I was thinking about making a children's book that was like, well, we could make a few. We could make one that was about, like, 
seeds and beans and explain like how to get protein, but like a bedtime story or something for kids. They can learn at a young age, and then maybe a book about being an activist, like a kid's guide to being an animal rights Wow, you've got a whole publishing company there, Vegan. (laughs) Evan? Um, Wow, those are all great ideas. So what is your question for Matali? So my question really is just, we have all these ideas, but we we don't know where to start. So, like, how do we figure out like would we illustrate how do we get an illustrator publisher how do we if we did make a book how would we like design the book and the cover and all that stuff how where do you start wow great question vegan evan always rocking it uh, Matali, take it away up she kind of dropped off but she's in england i'm here in los angeles so i'm going to answer that question because Vegan Evan, I've written four books, okay? And I was a crime reporter for many years, uh, for 40 years to be exact. And so my first book was called Secrets Can Be Murder. And what happened was, uh, and this will inform your, your um, plan. Can you hear me, Vegan Evan? Yes, Vegan Evan? perfectly yeah. fine. Okay, so here's what happened. Um, I had a lot of cases that I covered and I kept a file for each case, literally a file folder. And I got a call from a publisher. She said, we want you to write a book about crime. And uh, I want you to take your uh, biggest cases and break it down to 24 cases and put two in each chapter, something like that. And she gave me three months. So what I did was I, and then I signed the contract. I got three months to write it. So the first thing I did was I broke down, well, what's the word count? Okay, if the word count is however many words it is, you break it down into the amount of time you have. You have to create a deadline. If you don't create a deadline, nothing happens, really. It just goes on and on and on. It's an endless process. I mean, that's not always the case if you're writing a novel, for example, that is is sort of like a hobby. Uh, You don't necessarily have to have a deadline. But I'm just giving my experience, Matali, and you can weigh in as soon as I finish this this quick uh, review of my first book, Secrets Can Be Murder. So I literally, the publisher gave me XYZ amount of time. Uh, I came up with the chapters based on literally the files I had in my office, how big they were, the most information I didn't want to do. I didn't have time to do research. So the fattest files and the biggest cases, boom, boom, boom. I divided it up into 12 chapters. Then I divided, well, how many words do I need to write per chapter by when in order to finish the word count by the deadline? And I built in a little time for editing because, for example, she threw out one entire chapter. She said, no, I don't like this case. Boom. So that set me back. So you have to build in some some space there to handle unintended uh, developments. And uh, that was it. Um, I do believe that setting a deadline is a really important thing to do. That's just personally for me. But uh, what are your thoughts uh, on uh, what Vegan Evan should do to get started? Well, I think you gave some really great points. I think what you're suffering from, Evan, if I can say suffering, is you just have too many great ideas, uh, which is wonderful. You'll be amazed how many people I meet who don't even have one good idea. So the fact that you've got so many is fantastic. 
So what I would advise you to do is create mind maps for each of your book ideas. So get together with your mother and your grandmother and see which one you get, you develop the biggest mind map. That's the one to go for. What is it? Because like a mind map. So a mind map is you can get mind mapping software and it's just a way to be able to map out all of your ideas for anything, whether it's a book or some other project. But what I what I do is I just mind map everything and I see which one has the most information that's already readily there. Because what you want to do is that first book is the hardest book you'll write. It's the one where you second guess yourself. You wonder whether you're doing the right thing. Once you've got your first book out of the way, the second, third, fourth start to come and you start to get more and more confident about writing a book. You want to write the first book as fast as possible, especially get that first draft done. So go with the one that has the most information that's already within you, your mother, your grandmother, and you can pretty much get together and get the first draft done within a few days. Well, you know, it's so funny. You're saying exactly what I said. I literally, when I got called out of the blue to write this book, and she only gave me one piece of advice. She said, uh, a criminal trial is a place where secrets spill out. Secrets that people don't tell their spouse, their lover, their kid, their parent, their psychiatrist even. In court, in open court, all these secrets spill out, which is very true because I've covered a little uh, quite a few criminal cases and the secrets are mind blowing. And so I was thinking about it. I went to dinner with some friends. I was like, I got to write a book about secrets and murder, secrets and murder. I only got three months. Secrets can be murder. And that was the title of the book. So um, I, I and then I did exactly what you were saying. I, I literally I didn't have a mind map. I've never heard of that phrase before. Where have I been? But I literally looked at all my files and said, OK, I've, this I've got the most research already done on these cases. Let me use these cases. So I'm not going to start fresh on some case that I know nothing about. So does that help, Evan? OK, I think he hung up, but I think it's helpful okay. to anybody. And I hope that you get in touch with Shannon Blair who is vegan Evan's mom, because honestly, I think he's a very dynamic and intelligent young man, as you could tell. I think uh, three generations of vegan and they are activists, vegan activists on the road traveling. I think that would absolutely be an incredible book. Would you be willing to work with them? Yeah, of course I would. I'd be proud to work with people like that. That's amazing. Well, we've already accomplished something on this call. So that is absolutely fantastic. All right. We are talking with Matali De Perquesa, and she is the author of this incredible book, The Freedom Master Plan. It is a bestseller, and you can get it, of course, on Amazon. Just put The Freedom Master Plan and, uh, you know, put your mission, movement, and message on the map. We're going to take a very short break here on Voice America Radio, but we'll stay live on Facebook, and then we'll be back in a second with more. Do you have a book in you? Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. 
Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right. We are talking to Matali Deperkesa, the author of this incredible book, The Freedom Master Plan. It is a bestseller. I am pouring through it. And we're talking about if you are a vegan, and obviously this applies to anyone, people listening on Voice America Radio, they're not all vegan. Hopefully they will all be vegan eventually, but they're on the journey, hopefully, if they're listening to this. Um, and how do you get that book out? There's so many people who have burning desires to write books, but it's just overwhelming. So we're getting some tips. Now, what about audiobooks? Because actually a friend of mine's a publisher, and I've been talking to various people and I think the way people are processing information today is changing. Um, there is, I think, an indication that people are not reading books cover to cover. They're reading a lot, but they're reading online. They're reading articles. They're reading summaries and they're listening to books. So how does that change the equation? Because if you're going to write a thousand page tome and nobody reads it, that doesn't help. It doesn't. I think um, creating an audiobook is a must. I'm actually going into the studios in September to do my audiobook. I'd like to do it earlier, but I have a number of clients who are getting close to publishing. My first allegiance always has to be to my clients and their dreams of being an author. So it's going to be September before I do it. But I, I think it's crazy not to create an audiobook you're just reaching so many more people. And that's the whole point of writing. You're writing a book, as my subtitle says, but you can't do that. People, people who, there's lots of people out there who just don't read. I know it sounds crazy to someone like me who reads all the time, but there are people out there who literally do not read. They do not read books. 
whereas they will happily listen to an audiobook. Then you have all those voracious readers, but they're too busy to read your book. But they have to go and take their dog out for a walk. They have to do the ironing. They have to do the washing. They can listen to you and consume your content, and they'll do it. So it's actually in my book. I talk about five key ways to create assets from your book. And the first set is audiobook. So it's actually part of my book. It's the first thing I say you should create. Let's talk a little bit about your book because it's about writing books, but it's about so much more. Uh, tell us why you wrote this book. And we want to talk about your own personal story as well, which is very fascinating. Thank you. So um, I wrote the book because <laughs> it sounds crazy, but originally it was going to be how to write to books. It was going to be a book about how to write a book. Very meta, I know. Um, but then when I did some research, and this is actually the kind of research that I teach my clients to do as well, um, because a lot of people come to me with this idea of what they want their book to be. But then they do the research on their target market and it changes. Sometimes they do a complete 180 and they end up writing about something entirely different. Other times they do write about the subject, but it, it, it's different points now that they're heading for than what they originally thought. And I think it's dangerous to write a book in a vacuum. You need to get feedback from your target audience so you know that you're writing something that people actually want to read and not just what you think they want to read. So I went through that process myself and I found out very quickly that my target audience they didn't so much need to know how to write a book. There was a step before that that I had missed, that I had a blind spot to. And that is, what do I do with the book? So a lot of people quite like the idea of writing a book, but they just think for, it's a big project. I'm going to get overwhelmed. It's going to just take over my life for a few months. What do I do with it? Is it worth it? Is it worth writing a book? What would I do with it once it's published? And that's when I realized my book idea how to pivot a little bit away from how to write a book. And I do devote a bonus chapter in the book where I talk about the basic steps of how to write a nonfiction book. But the majority of my book is actually case studies of my previous clients and how they leverage the book. Mm. Because I realized that is even more key, I've seen people with very mediocre books, and that's me being kind here, Jane, very mediocre books. They've done wonderful things for them and their message and their brand because they were out there leveraging the book. And then there's people who've written amazing books, but they're just gathering electronic dust on Amazon and no one knows about it because either the author doesn't know how to leverage the book or they're too lazy and they don't they're not they just thought they could publish a book and that would be it. So my book is all about giving you the tools to understand what a book can do for you. I call it it's called the master plan because by the end of the book you should have a personalized plan of how you are going to leverage your book to suit your brand, your business your charity, your nonprofit, whatever it is that you have. Let me ask you this. So you have a bestseller. How did your book become a bestseller? What was your plan? Because as I say, I, I have written four books. In fact, I've written six books, but two of them I threw in the fireplace. They were, they were novels. And I was like, no, not yet. 
fireplace. <laughs> but it was a good exercise, you know, because uh, it's like anything else. Art, somebody said to me, art is like a river. It starts as a trickle. It goes into a stream, becomes a river, becomes a waterfall. You don't know where it's going to take you. And that's okay. Um, so um, it's a fun process um, as well. It's a creative exercise and that has its own benefits. I think the most important thing is getting to the end, finishing it, because if you start something and you don't finish it, it, it hurts your self-esteem. So um, uh, how did you market it? Because I know how hard it is to market a book. Book signings, frankly, in today's world, uh, bookstores are, are going under. Uh, not that many people show up at a book signing. I had some great book signings in New York, which were packed with my friends and relatives and associates. And then I traveled all the way to Philadelphia for a book signing. And I was like, oi, I traveled <laughs> all the way to Philly from New York. And I've got 12 people, including somebody who seems mentally disturbed here. Uh, why did I do this? So this idea of a book tour is sort of a 20th century uh, concept to a certain degree, unless you're a major celebrity, in which case it's a totally different game. You're a hundred percent right. We are, whether you like it or not, that's a whole other debate, but we are far more online, especially after the pandemic. I know people who would never even think of doing a video call before the pandemic who are now happily on Skype and Zoom and FaceTime and all the rest of it. So absolutely, it's all about being online. I wish I can tell you there was some sort of secret ingredient, Jane, but you'll know yourself as a bestseller there is no magic button or secret ingredient. It is just hard work. You've just got to get out there, speak to as many people. I, literally the night before my book came out, I was leaving about 50 different voice notes on Facebook and LinkedIn, reminding people, hey, my book's going to come out. It's only, it's, I gave the Kindle away for free for a short period just to get sales volume. And then it went to um, up to a normal price. And I was just telling everybody I can think of. I think I was going to bed still clutching my phone, thinking who else could I contact and let them know my book's coming out and they need to go and get a copy. That's all it is. It's like being tenacious and getting out there. But that is why I'm a big believer in helping people, giving them the easiest process to write a book that is on a professional level. If you look at any of my 16 authors, and you look at their books, and you'll know this, Jane, being a traditionally published author yourself, the, my authors are on this similar level when it comes to professionalism as the traditional publishers. You've got to really believe in your book to leverage it. You've got to be 100% behind it and proud of it. If yeah, it's, I have questions about this, and I want to jump in because we're running out of time. It's this idea of self-publishing. Now that has now become a totally new industry in the last few years. There's people who are publishing, I believe on Amazon, self-publishing. How does it work? How does self-publishing work? I honestly don't know. Well, self-publishing is as the name suggests, it's, it means that you take control and you upload your files. It means you are in charge of making sure the book is edited, that you've got a great cover, that, that you've got great typesetting. Upload it to where? To Amazon. So everybody, whether you, you, even if you're not an author, you can go right now to kdp.amazon.com. And you will see you've already got an account with them because it's tied to your existing Amazon.com account. So if you suddenly decide to be an author tomorrow, you already have an account set up by Amazon where you can upload book files and start becoming an author. 
So it's already there. It's that easy. The downside of it is, I would say it's a double-edged sword. It does mean now that, unfortunately, there are some people who are just uploading monstrosities is the best way I can say it. People who are just tacking together 50 blog posts, not professionally edited, finding, you know, creating a cover design on Canva and then just putting it on Amazon and saying they're an author. And that is unfortunately why sometimes people have a bad view of self-publishing because anybody and everybody can publish now. So it's all about doing it the right way. Just because you're self-publishing doesn't mean you shouldn't have standards. Your standards should still remain traditional publisher high. Well, and and also I think in terms of what's going to get people hooked in, I see, and we see this in video as well, a lot of people wanting to do the same thing. They want to tell their story of how they went vegan and how it changed their life and their health improved. And it's like, yes, that's, that's really great. But for example, your story is very dynamic and has a lot of uh, exciting twists and turns. Tell us about your personal story and have you written a memoir? I haven't as yet because I only have one book, a second edition that came out last week. And I think we already discussed, I, you know, I, I big, I'm a big believer that help people first, give them the tools to help them. And then third or fourth book may be a memoir, but it's not something that I want to talk about well, throughout the entire book. Well, because tell, us I can, about, tell us about your personal story, though, because you've you've accomplished so much, but you also had. Uh, a roller coaster ride. And we were talking about the fact that, well, I'm 27 years sober, I'm a recovering alcoholic, and you've had your own experiences. Tell us about your journey. I think people would find it very interesting because one thing I, I'll never forget somebody told me uh, when I was doing a documentary on my mother many years ago, and I've done a couple of documentaries now, and my mother didn't want to talk about any of the bad things. She didn't want to talk about any of the embarrassing things. And I said, Mom, and this was because somebody told me this word, but it, this phrase, but it stuck. Nobody wants a vanity project. People want to hear particularly about the stuff that you don't want to talk about. That's what sells. It's revealing things that people can relate to because everybody's got secrets. Everybody's got things that um, make them cringe when they think about it. That's part of the life experience. Well, I would say, I mean, in a nutshell, my journey has been all about acceptance and not feeling accepted. So when I, well, when I was born, um, I think eight or nine months into me being born, my parents took me to Barcelona. And this was in the late 70s. So this was a time when we didn't really have any understanding of the dangers of the sun. So I assume I was just left out in the sun for a little bit too long. I ended up with heat stroke. So it's quite serious, especially because it's an eight or nine month old baby. So you don't have the same protection that, you know, someone who's an adult or even an older child has. Um, and I had a terrible fever and overnight my skin went several shades darker than it was. That caused a lot of issues for me growing up because I started to realize as a toddler that there's a lot of colorism that goes on within Indian community. I, I would have people come to my parents within my earshot so I can hear what they're saying. And they'll say things like, oh, she's a little bit dark, isn't she? Make sure she gets educated. At least she'll have that going for her. As oh. in, she's, I know, as in she won't be good looking enough to really get married off to the best guys when she's of age. I'm about four or five years old. It's like, give me a break. Really, do I need to, do we need to be 
talking about that, but that's what I grew up with. Then I've also grown up in a predominantly white neighborhood. So again, there was issues there where there was that feeling of otherness. Uh, my parents were vegetarian. Most Hindus are vegetarian. And back in the 80s in the UK, vegetarianism was what veganism was, say, 15 years ago. And people think it's just so weird. Well, even vegetarianism was weird in the 80s in the UK. So we were ostracized a lot for that. I remember the school canteen had no food for me. Everything had meat in it. That was the norm. There was no vegetarian option. So I had to go home every lunchtime. So again, that feeling of otherness, everyone else crowds into the canteen and they're making best friends and they're eating together and all that camaraderie that comes with eating together. I'm walking home for my lunch to then walk back to school. So it was all these feelings of otherness that led me into a lifestyle of taking amphetamines mainly, amphetamines and ecstasy tablets. And the reason being is I went to university and this one girl was just really nice to me and she was just like, hey, come and hang out with my cool friends. And no one in my life at that point had said, hey, do you want to hang out? I hadn't hung out with anybody apart from my family ever in my life. So when someone says that, you think, okay, and then you do whatever that person is doing as well because you just want to fit in and that's how it started so yeah it's it's an interesting one because a lot of people get into you know drugs or alcohol and there's sometimes they've gone through like some sort of kind of abuse or anything like that nothing like that for me for me it was nothing like that it was purely not feeling accepted whether that's by white people or even my own community because I was dealing with colorism within my own community so there were they felt like no there was no safe space it wasn't like oh uh you know i'm i'm feeling elements of racism i'll stick with indians well i couldn't stick with indians because i was feeling otherness from there as well so that's my story but i think i can't say 100 percent sure i probably should go and see a therapist because they would have a field day with me but i wonder if my my journey into veganism comes from there. I know what it feels like to be boxed up and put away, you know? So I know what it feels like to be boxed up as a race. I know what it feels like to be boxed up because of the darkness of my skin. Oh, well, she can't be, she won't get the best guys when it's time to marry her off because she's too dark. Like what's my, what about all my other attributes? Why is my skin color just the only thing I'm being reduced to? And I think when I came into veganism, I really understood speciesism. I really got that on a fundamental level because that's what we're doing. We're kind of looking at some animals and your pet, you're something that I ride, you're something that I eat. We're just labeling that. We're just putting them into these neat boxes. That's not the boxes they belong. In fact, they don't believe in any, they don't belong in any boxes, let's be honest. And I really understood that. So it's interesting to see would ha- would I have got into veganism when I did if I didn't have those experiences? Well, it just shows you that we all have trauma g- growing up. I mean, it's the cartoon, right, where they say, well, everybody from a well-balanced family, please raise their hand. And there's one person that raises their hand. <laughs> and they're going, you're and deluded, say, you're not. <laughs> I suffered from a perfect childhood because I've heard that that too. And then I went out into the world and I couldn't handle it because my childhood was ideal. Um, But, you know, 
uh, I have total compassion for your story and I can identify with it as well. I think this is a very common story and people don't really talk about it. Um, but uh, compassion often comes from empathy and we can empathize with the plight of another being who is reduced to his or her appearance, who is reduced to, this, to the exterior. And when we see animals, we see an individual, a being, a soul, a personality, a uniqueness. And uh, unfortunately, well, I think that the, uh, the goal of evolution or the process of evolution is for us to um, have greater empathy, expand our circle of compassion, or as somebody said, somebody really famous, I can't remember who, uh, the essence of all evil is that some suffering doesn't count. Okay, so if you did to a dog what we do routinely to pigs and chickens and cows, you'd be you'd literally be arrested and yeah. put in, in jail for animal abuse. But we've, as a society, have determined pigs who are smarter than dogs, much smarter, cows and chickens, they don't count. Ducks or turkeys don't count. Those animals, their suffering just doesn't count, but it does. And of course, I believe Mother Nature is a lot smarter than all of us put together. And look, she's coming back and saying, human race, go to your rooms. I mean, that's what the pandemic was all about. The animals oh, yeah, out. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. It was from eating, eating animals. Like one of the stories that, that nobody has talked about is that and it was on the front page of the New York Times in February 27th. The New York Times announced that the scientific community has concluded that all the other theories about the lab, blah, 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 are wrong. And that the overwhelming evidence points to it started at the wet market in Wuhan, which is a slaughterhouse. It's a retail slaughterhouse where animals were slaughtered for eating. Eating animals causes pandemics. And we've got the avian flu coming down the pike. Uh, what is it going to take for people to uh, have what they call in um, recovery? There's a phrase, the gift of desperation. So what was your bottom and how did how did it change? My bottom was I ended up um, losing my place at university, um, which meant I'd lost my accommodation. I didn't want to tell my parents what happened because they'd be so disappointed. So I ended up on the streets for a while. And then I ended up in a homeless shelter for a while. And that's when I kind of really hit rock bottom. I, one of the, the most vivid things I remember is going to the first night I was at a shelter and I went to the TV room. You weren't allowed to have TVs in your actual rooms. I don't know why, but that was just the rule. So they had these TV rooms and the TV, well, as soon as I went into the TV room, I went to sit on the couch and there was a big sign behind the couch saying, please turn over the cushions and check for needles before you sit down. I just remember thinking, oh, my God, this is, does it get anywhere? So imagine not being able to sit anywhere in a place, well, the place that you are now going to call home for the next however many weeks or months. And imagine every time you sit down, you have to turn over the cushions or look underneath the chair and make sure there's no used needles that can, you know, accidentally poison you with something or infect you with something. And I just remember thinking, 
this is not where my life was meant to go. So thankfully, I was assigned a wonderful therapist and a wonderful coach as well. They got me clean. Within six months, I was back in college, university. I was able to finish my degree. Um, so there, were, there was a happy ending toward, you know, towards the end. But yeah, and it made me realize that, you know, acceptance really is about com- accepting yourself. I know it sounds a little bit cliched, but it's truth. You know, I realized that I'm looking for acceptance in other people when really it was me. I needed to accept me and say I'm enough as I am. And as soon as that started to happen, things started to change. And then I started to, it's like a law of attraction. I started to attract all this good stuff and good people into my life. And then that led me on to the road of veganism because once I'd reached that peak where I realized I'm really happy with who I am now then I started to become sensitive with well what about all these other people and all these other beings I tend to prefer to use the word being rather than animals because I think animals almost feels a little there's an otherness so I like calling them beings because we're human beings and they're non-human beings but they're beings and I like using that word because that keeps reminding me they're thinking feeling loving beings and I just thought how can I use my privilege because I'm now in a privileged place how do I use that to help those beings who are not privileged so beautiful and you know I have a refrigerator magnet Oscar Wilde be yourself everybody else is already taken (laughs) I think (laughs) that's not it up we're all unique and uh, we've, I think everybody tries to fit in. And even some of the people we think who are, you know, the sort of the, the, the cheerleaders, the homecoming queens, and um, they also feel like they don't fit in, I have found, yes. to a certain degree, at least yes. maybe after high school. Um, thank you so much. Everybody, check out the Freedom Master Plan. Put your mission, movement, and message on the map. I appreciate your incredible story. Thank you for sharing it. Uh, You're very inspiring. And I hope you get to work with uh, Shannon Blair and her son, Vegan Evan. I think that would be an incredible outcome from this really, really amazing conversation. And I hope we stay in touch uh, and collaborate because that's one of the great things about our movement is that we can join forces and, uh, and really uh, help each other. I primarily work in video. We are coming out. Unchained TV is uh, our streaming network. You can download it uh, with that QR code. It's a global streaming network. You can get it in London. It's 100% free through our nonprofit. You can download it. And we have a reality show coming out about a family of pigs rescued from a shelter. It's called Pig Little Lies, the world's first reality show about pigs. And it's really entertaining. And as you say, these are other beings, each with their own personality. So I urge everybody to check it out. Maybe we can collaborate uh, on Unchained TV because I think you'd be an incredible addition to it. Thank you so much, everybody. See you next time on Voice America Radio. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.